The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... psychologist and philosopher called it wonder sickness. Man's restless, unceasing research into the arcane mysteries of psychic experience. He thought it soft-headed and idiotically credulous. Well, he may have been right, but the world has never wholly submitted to his judgment, and the search goes on. It's nonsense, Matt. Utter nonsense. It's been done before. I don't believe it. Oh, but it has. More than once. Well, there must have been some trick to it. Would you be willing to try it? Or are you afraid? Our mystery drama, The Ruby Lamp, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Mandel Kramer. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Mr. William James may have poo-pooed psychical research, as indeed he did, but in his famous book, the varieties of religious experience, he wrote this. The whole drift of my education persuades me that the world of our present consciousness is only one out of many worlds of consciousness that exist. Listen now to the story called The Ruby Lamp. Good dinner, Edith. Glad you liked it. Anything for dessert? Apple pie, if you want it. Did I ever pass up your apple pie? I didn't make it, Paul. I bought it. Oh. Well, in that case... I just wasn't up to any baking. Are you depressed again? I guess you could call it that. Well, what would you call it? I don't know. Uh, let's not talk about it, okay, Paul? No. No, it's not okay. Well, so it's not okay. I'm going to clear the table. If that's all right with you. It is not all right with me. Oh, well, pardon me. I want to know why you're depressed. I'm your husband. We live together in the same house. You think it's any fun for me to watch you dragging around like this? No, I don't suppose it is much fun. It's not much fun for me either. Then tell me about it. I have a right to know. You already know. I don't. You do. Edith, I swear Paul, to you... we did all our talking a long time ago. There's nothing more to be said. It's all been said. It's finished over. Done with. I give you my word. I don't know what you're talking about. Then... I will tell you once more and for the very last time. Where are they? Oh. Where did you put them? What have you done with them? Where are they? Edith, I have told you. I know what you've told me. I heard it all. And I still want to know. Where are they? Show me where they are. Show me the spot. What have you done with them? Edith, please. I have a right to know, and you've got to tell me. This is getting to be absurd. Where are you going? 
Are you walking out again? I'm going to make a phone call. To whom? Who are you calling? Matt Horner. If he's in, I'm going to stop over there. I thought you wanted to talk to me. Not about that. Oh, I see. You'll talk to me about anything in the world except the one thing I want to know. The one thing I can't stop thinking about. The one thing I've got on my mind all day, all night, that you won't talk about. Is that it? Keep quiet. Is that it? Tell me. I said keep quiet. Hello, Professor. Paul Morrison. Oh, yes, Paul. Uh, you going to be home this evening? Well, I'm always home. Is it okay if I come over? Well, certainly, certainly. Play a little backgammon, maybe? Delighted. Be there in a few minutes. Right. Edith? Edith? I'm in the kitchen. Listen, I'm going over to Matt Horner's house. Wait a minute. Just... One minute. We're going to play a little backgammon. Before you go out that door, answer me one thing. Edith. Tell me where they are. Edith, please. Tell me. I'll be home early. Tell me where they are, what you did with them. What difference does it make? They're dead. Both of them dead. Aha. Double six. I think you're going to gammon me. I think I'm going to backgammon you, my friend. <laughs> you haven't borne off one man. You still have one on the bar. I know. Now, here it goes. Three and two. Well, that's not much help. Okay, you throw. Double four. All right. All right, I give up. You don't want to play it out? I can't concentrate. Something got you down. Edith's been at me again to tell her about the children. Oh. What I did with their bodies. Why don't you tell her? Matt, they were born dead. Never even had a chance to breathe or to cry. Never lived at all. Wasn't anybody's fault. Just one of those accidents that happen. Uncommon, but it, but it does happen. I mean, there's no way of foretelling it, no way to prevent it. It just happens. Well, still, they were her children. Doesn't she have the right to know where they are? Where their bodies are? Oh, Matt, you know Edith. Not as well as you do. Well, I know her very well. Been married ten years. You can be married for fifty years and still not know the woman you're married to? Yeah. Well, if I told Edith what I did with those little bodies... They were both boys, by the way. You told her that, I hope. Yeah, she dragged that out of me. Why not tell her, then, where the... Well, they're buried. Matt, I had the bodies cremated. Oh, I see. I mean, I thought... You know, I just had to put it out of our minds, dismiss it, forget it. Forget two children? Two children who never lived, Matt. Two children we never knew. Edith knew them both times. You never did, but she did. Yeah, well, maybe. No, maybe. She did. Look, let's talk about something else. Do you mind? No, I don't mind. You want to play another game? Oh, I can't concentrate, Matt. Tell me, what uh, what have you been doing with yourself lately? Oh, not much. The old arthritis keeps me from doing much. It's still bad, huh? Well, I'm afraid I've got it for life. What's left of it. Still, I, I manage a little work in my rose garden. Edith has a rose garden. She loves it. <laughs> Sometimes I get jealous of it. Uh-huh. And then, of course, uh, there's my photography. That takes up most of my time. How's it coming along? Well, uh, lately, I've been doing some experimenting. Oh? New techniques? Oh, very new. Well, not completely original with me. 
but a, a largely untried field, and lately much neglected. Well, you're going to tell me what it is, or are you just going to hint around indefinitely? Uh, I'm not sure you'll be sympathetic. Well, tell me, for Pete's sake. I'll listen to anything. I don't much feel like going home right now. Well, in 1932, they performed the first experiment in Los Angeles. What experiment? Experiment in what? Thought photography. What? You you said... I said thought photography. Photographing thoughts. You're kidding me, aren't you, man? I told you you might not be sympathetic. I told you I'd listen to anything, so tell me. About photographing thoughts. You mean you have a special thought camera? Thought film? What? No camera at all. Only a package of sensitized photographic paper. And a ruby lamp. Ruby lamp? In the dark room. A ruby lamp doesn't affect this particular sort of sensitized paper. Well, what do you do with this particular paper if you don't have a camera? You open a fresh package of the paper in the dark room under a ruby lamp. Then you cut it into strips. Sounds crazy. Then each person in the room, the original experiment, there were four of them, distinguished scientific gentlemen, each person holds a strip of the sensitized paper close to his forehead. Not touching it, just close to it. Holds it by the edges and thinks of some particular thing. Holds it there for precisely three minutes. At the end of the three minutes, the strips are developed in fresh fixing baths and then processed. And? Then what? What's the point? In this particular experiment, photographic images appeared on the paper, identical to, or very similar, to the objects the men were thinking of. Their thoughts had been photographed. That's crazy. There were two more experiments within weeks. Same results. The Los Angeles papers carried an account of them, with pictures. I still say it sounds crazy. And the same experiments were conducted later in Japan and in France. Same results? The same. It's crazy. Care to try it? Here? In my dark room. Now? If you have the time. I have the time, all right. Why not? Why not, indeed? Follow me. seconds to go. I still think this is crazy. Two seconds. I feel like a fool doing this. I mean, standing here with this... All right. The bath is ready. Let's have the strip. Take it. Glad to be rid of it. The whole thing is so absurd. Well, we'll soon see how absurd it is. You want to know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about Edith. Of course, that's perfectly logical. I just had a row with her, so naturally she'd be on my mind. Mm -hmm. I was dreading going back home and seeing her. That didn't keep me from thinking about it. Of course not. Ah, we're getting something. Yes. Yes. There's an image here, all right? It's... It, yes, look here. It's a woman. Hmm? Look for yourself. Oh. I can't believe it. It is a woman. You're right. The image of a woman. Now do you believe the thoughts can be photographed? But Matt, this isn't an image of Edith. This is, a, this is a very young girl. Young girl with, with long blonde hair hanging down to her waist. And she's wearing a cape, a long plaid cape. It isn't Edith. 
at all. It, it's nobody I've ever seen before. This girl's a stranger. Orthodox scientists may shake their heads in disbelief at experiments like the one you've just listened to. But the mysteries of this world are still so obscure that the sternest, most rigid academician must succumb occasionally to wonder sickness. We'll return shortly for Act Two. afflicted in some way with wonder sickness, a blind belief in our own immortality, a secret conviction that we can influence our fortunes, an inner faith that in some as yet undiscovered way, all things will work for the best. All illusion, perhaps, but without such wonder sickness, how could we go on living? Professor, you home? It's Paul. Matt, it's Paul. I need to see you. Coming. Coming. It's urgent, Matt. I have something to tell you. Oh, heavens, what a racket. I'm sorry. Come on in. Sorry it took me so long to answer the door, but my arthritis... Uh, I didn't stop to think. I'm very sorry. It's all right. Why, are you wrought up? Yeah, here I am. Well, come on, sit down. I take it you're not here to play backgammon. Hardly, Professor. Well, sit down, sit down. Catch your breath. Matt, I saw the girl... You did? Yes, the young girl in the, in, in the photograph or whatever you call it. The image on the sensitized paper? Yes, that one. I saw the girl. And she was wearing the plaid cape. She had long blonde hair parted in the middle. It was the same girl. I recognized her right away from, from, from that image. It's incredible. Who is she? I don't know who she is. I never saw her before. Well, didn't you try to find out? Of course I did. I followed her all the way to the bus stop. And I waited with her. When she got on the bus, I got on. I rode with her all the way to where she got off, Elmwood Avenue, and I got off when she did, and I followed her all the way to her house, and I watched her go inside. Look, here, here, look, wait, here, here. I wrote, I wrote down the address, you see? Here, 210, 210. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Didn't you speak to her? Speak to her? You mean you followed her down the street, got on the bus with her, got off the bus with her, trailed her to her house and waited while she went in, and you did all that and never spoke to her? Well, should I have? Well, mere curiosity, one would think. Well, what would I have said to her? I mean, that I held a piece of sensitized photographic paper close to my forehead for three minutes, and when it was put in a fixing bath, there was her image? I mean, do you think I could say that to a complete stranger? She, she should have called a cop. It'd have put me away. You're absolutely sure that you've never seen this girl before? Absolutely. Well, you may have passed her on the street. Well, I never paid any attention if I did. Well, there's such a thing as deja vu, you know. Meaning already seen. Yes, I know. Something in the past. Something seen in the past that suddenly recurs. Or some detail recurs that makes it seem as though the whole experience were happening again. Matt, I swear to you, I never saw this girl before. Now, on the bus, I had a good look at her face. I never saw her before in my life. Never spoke to her. Never had anything to do with her. Why did she turn up on that strip of paper? I have to tell you, Paul, I don't know. It was Edith I was thinking of. 
I was thinking about my wife. Not some strange young girl that I had no interest in. Fascinating. Not to you, maybe. Not to me. I've had enough of your experiments. Oh? I wonder if you have. I have, believe me. Now I better get home. Edith will be expecting me. I'm already late, but I just had to stop off and tell you. Are you going to tell Edith? About what? About the young girl. Good Lord, no. I haven't even told her about the experiment. Why not? How could I? How can I? She'd want me to explain it. And I can't explain what I don't even understand myself. Edith, I'm home. Sorry I'm late. Edith? Where are you? In here. Oh. I, uh, stopped off to see Matt Horner. Oh. Well, how is the professor? He's fine, fine. Oh, that's good. Edith, you all right? I'm fine. Are you sure? Well, isn't that what everybody says when you ask them, how are you? They say, I'm fine. How are you? And you say, I'm fine. And that's that. Oh, I forgot to ask you. How are you? I'm all right. Well, at least you didn't say fine. Edith, it's you I'm worried about. But I'm fine. Fine, fine, fine. Perfectly fine. Honey, have you been drinking? Not much. Because you hardly ever drink at all. It doesn't seem to do much for me. I don't know what it does for people who do drink, but whatever it does, it doesn't do it for me. Edith? Is it still the same thing? What thing? About the babies? Oh. That. I mean, you know I haven't told you because I think it's better if you don't know. You're probably right. Glad you understand that, honey. I didn't say I understood it. Well, you have to trust me. Yes, I... I have to trust you. I can see that. Where are you going? I'm going to go for a walk, clear my head. Well, honey... Honey, if I thought it would make you feel better, I would tell you. But I don't think so. I think it would just make you feel worse. Honey, believe me, I have given this a lot of thought. I won't be gone long. You can get your own dinner, can't you? Or you want to wait? What's that thing you've got on? What thing? That, 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 that cape. Oh. This old thing. Uh, I've had it for years and years. <laughs> you know how I am. I never throw anything out. It's plaid, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I got it out of the closet in the attic. Thought I'd wear it for change. <laughs> Heavens. I bought this when I was in college. Oh, mm. uh, now, about dinner. Edith. When you were in college, did you have long hair? What? <laughs> did I have long hair? And was it blonde? What's the matter with you? Please, please tell me, when you were in college, did you have long hair and was it blonde? And did you part it in the middle? How could you know that? Edith, tell me, please, tell me. I didn't even know you in college. You were three years ahead of me. Tell me, it's important to me. 
tell me. Are you sure you haven't been drinking tossed off a few with Matt Horner? Edith, tell me. Well, okay. Yes, in college I had long blonde hair, and I parted it in the middle. Satisfied? Now, I'm going for a walk. Matt, open the door. It's Paul Morrison. Yes, Paul, yes. I, I need to talk to you, Matt, right now. Do you hear me? I hear, I hear. Oh, come in, Paul. Come in. Now, what's the trouble? I'm not keeping you from anything, am I? Nothing that won't wait. Sit down. Want a drink? Oh, good Lord, no. Coffee? Tea? No, 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 nothing, nothing. Matt. Matt, when I left you, I went home, and Edith was there. She was sitting in the living room. She was not doing anything. She was just sitting there with a bottle of wine on the table beside her. Matt, I don't think Edith takes six drinks a year. Was she drunk? No. No, no, she wasn't drunk. I'm positive she wasn't drunk or anywhere near it. At first, I thought maybe she was because she just seemed so, so, so strange. Strange? In what way? She was very calm. Very, very calm. Well, that doesn't sound alarming. I know, but it was a, a weird kind of calm was just not natural, you know? Not natural for her, anyway. Now, I asked her, was she drinking because of... You know, because of the babies. Me not telling her what I'd done with their bodies. Matt, she was even calm about that. The one thing she has never been calm about. And just about the only thing that we've had fights about. But this time, she said, in that, in that deadly calm way... She could see that my way was the best way, that she trusted me, and so on and so forth. And then then she said that she was going for a walk. I don't quite see what you're so alarmed about, Paul. Well, just wait, wait. She went out in the hall, you know, where the, where the coat closet is. Yeah. And when she came back into the living room to ask me, could I get my own dinner? Matt, she was wearing a cape. Oh, a plaid cape, Matt. Like the one in, in, in the thought photograph. A plaid cape like the girl I saw on the street was wearing. Well, lots of women wear capes. She said she hadn't worn it for years. That she bought it when she was in college and she'd stored it up in the attic. She just brought it down from the attic and decided to wear it for a change. Well, some women do save things. Pack rats, I think they call themselves. Matt, I had never seen that cape before in my life. Not when you were both in college? I never knew Edith when I was in college. I was a senior. She was a freshman. Look, I, I know what you're going to say, that I could have seen her around the campus. Though I swear to you, we never met or spoke to each other or knew each other's names or anything. Still, I may have seen her on campus and maybe it registered somewhere in the back of my mind. Though where, I couldn't tell you. The same as the young girl on the street. I mean, I may have passed her and the cape registered somehow, and that's what made it come out in the thought photograph. Because it reminded you of Edith. Edith in college. A second cape I didn't remember? Reminding me of a first cape I didn't remember? Are such things possible? Yes, they are. Now, if I were you... Oh, wait, there's more. I asked Edith if she'd ever had long blonde hair parted in the middle. Her hair's brown, you know, she keeps it short. And she said yes. That in college it was long and blonde and parted in the middle. But Matt, I never saw her like that. Never. Unless, unless you know, what you just said. 
I did see her, even if I didn't pay any attention, and the thought photograph was... Would you call it, you know, already seen? Deja vu. Yeah, deja, whatever. Already seen. Well, you, you, you can imagine how I felt. The thought photograph, the girl on the street that I followed, and then seeing Edith in the same plaid cape, and having her tell me that she used to have long blonde hair parted in the middle when she was in college. About the age of the girl on the street, huh? That, it can't all be coincidence. No, I don't think it can. I had to drag it out of her. The cape and the hair and all that. I mean, she started to think that I'd been drinking. And you know that I hadn't been. I mean, I was here with you. Not that I think she cared very much whether I had or hadn't. She just pulled her cape around her and went out. And I came running over here praying that you'd be home. Like the good Lord, here you are. Paul, when Edith comes back, may I make a suggestion? You don't have to follow it, of course. What is it? Well, ask her if she'll come over here and make the same experiment you did in the dark room. The ruby lamp, the sensitized paper, everything just as before. Oh, I don't know, Matt. I don't know that Edith would want to lend herself to a thing like that. Didn't hurt you, did it? Quite the contrary. And if Edith hesitates about it, tell her I'll make the same experiment myself. With her. At the same time. Back home, I just went over to see Matt Horner for a few minutes. Edith? Edith, are you upstairs? Edith, where are you? Hey, now, better, better simmer down. She's just not back yet, that's all. She went for a walk. Told you she was going for a walk, so it's not so surprising that she isn't back yet. Just calm down. Go make yourself some dinner. That's what she said to do anyway. Just wish I was hungry, that's all. Well... Maybe there's some ham in the refrigerators. Edith. Edith, what is it, honey? Wake up. Wake up, honey. It's Paul. Come on. Come on, baby. Good Lord. It's all right, sweetheart. It's going to be all right. You're just exhausted or something, but it'll be all right. Believe me. Hello. Oh, Matt, it's Paul. Listen, I just got home, and Edith has sort of slumped in a chair here in the kitchen. She isn't moving, and I can't wake her up. She been drinking anything? Oh, I never thought of... Yes, there's an empty sherry bottle on the table and a glass. Well, it seems to me she's simply passed out. If you want to, you can call the doctor, but I don't think you need to. No, you're right. You're probably right. Matt, could you come over here? Not, not so much because of Edith, but because of me. So much has happened. So much I don't understand. So much has happened. A strip of sensitized paper held close to a man's forehead. An image of a girl with long blonde hair wearing a plaid cape appears on it. The man's wife resurrects a plaid cape from the attic and reveals that she once had long blonde hair. Now, she has been discovered, slumped over in a kitchen chair, unconscious. Yes, so much has happened. And much more will happen when we return with the concluding act of 
The Ruby Lamp. child exploring the mysteries of the world around him, into which he has so precipitously been flung, is one of the great joys in life. The curiosity, the concentration, the thrill of discovery, and over it all, the sheer wonder that there is so much, so much to see, hear, smell, touch, and taste. Perhaps this is the beginning of the wonder sickness that clings to us throughout life. And who would want to live without the capacity to experience wonder? Mm. Edith? Darling? Mm. Honey, open your eyes. Can you do that? It's me. It's Paul. Paul? Yes, yes, darling. It's Paul. Are you all right? Yes, I'm, I'm all right. I came home... You weren't here. I know. I know. I went over to see Matt Horner for a minute. Well, I started to get dinner. And then I thought... Well, I don't know what I thought. I was going to make uh, chicken livers, I think. So I got out the cooking sherry and... And I... you drank it. I guess I did. Well, look at that. Bottle's empty. You never could drink very much. You passed out. I guess I did. Well, imagine that. That's what Matt said had happened. Matt Horner? Mm-hmm. Was he here? Did he see me like no, this? No, 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 no. Darling, I phoned him. Uh, I was just so scared, you know. I, I didn't know why. And so many strange things have been happening. Nothing you? strange has been happening, unless you mean me getting drunk. Oh, I didn't mean that. Oh, somebody's at the door. Uh, that's Who? just just Matt. Matt, come in. The door's open. We're in the kitchen. Why is he here? He hardly ever goes anywhere. I asked him to come over. I was so worried what, with everything that's been going on. I really don't understand what you mean. Where, where, where? She's okay. She's okay, Matt. Oh. Uh, hello, Professor Horner. Hello, Edith. Glad to see you're all right. Uh, well, it seems I, um, I passed out. Cooking, Sherry. Oh, you got a headache? Yes. Well, I guess I earned it. Matt, I'm sorry I dragged you over here, but it's just that I was in such a state. Why don't you make Edith a cup of tea, Paul? Would you like that, you think? I think so. And maybe a slice of dry toast. All right. It won't, it won't take me but a minute or two. I, uh... I really feel ashamed of myself, Professor Horner. There's uh, no need for that. How's your rose garden? Oh, I haven't been paying too much attention to it lately. I oh, haven't felt much like it. How's yours? Well, my Zephyrine Drua coming along. Oh, that's wonderful. He'll be ready in a minute. Uh, no hurry. We're talking about our rose gardens. I don't know. Paul's been so jumpy the last day or so. He's been talking about... The things that have been happening. Do you know what he means? Yes, I do. 
things that have been happening that I don't know about? Well, things I think you should know about. Well, for goodness sake, tell me. Edith, I've been making some some photographic experiments. Photography is my hobby, you know. Well, I thought your hobby was raising roses. Well, that too. But my indoor hobby is photography. And recently, I read about an experiment conducted a long time ago by some doctors in Los Angeles under test conditions in a dark room by the light of a ruby lamp. They held strips of fresh sensitized paper close to their foreheads for three minutes, simultaneously thinking of some specific thing. At the end of the three minutes, each of them announced what he had been concentrating on. All right, I finally got it. Here you are, honey. Here's your tea. There's milk if you want it. I don't think we have any oh, lemon. Just put it down, Paul. Okay. Uh, Professor Horner was in the middle of telling me something interesting. The experiment, Paul. Oh. Gee, I don't know if you should, Matt. Please. I want to hear it. Well, when the strips of paper were developed and processed, they showed an image, or one very like, of the object each man had been thinking of. Why don't you drink your tea, honey? I will. I will. Uh, Professor, go on. Yeah, all this with... No camera? No camera at all. I must tell you that no one has ever found an adequate explanation for the phenomenon, though it's been successfully repeated elsewhere by other scientists. So, I thought I'd try it. And did you? Yes, I did. A few nights ago, with Paul. Matt, do we have to go into all this? Paul, please, let him. Paul came to my house for some backgammon. Uh, I remember when he did that. I talked him into undergoing the experiment in the darkroom. And what appeared on the strip of paper was the image of a young girl with long blonde hair parted in the middle, wearing a plaid cape. My hair, my cape. Is that why you were asking about them? That's why. But you never saw me with long blonde hair wearing my plaid cape. Well, he did see a young girl on the street. The same hair, same cape. And he took no more notice of her than he did of you in college. But both of you registered an image somewhere in the back of his mind. And the sensitized paper under the ruby lamp brought it out. That's amazing. So now you know. Now go ahead, drink your tea. Edith... I want to ask you to do something. Matt, leave her alone. I want you to make the same experiment. Matt, no, 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 I won't hear of it. Why not? Can't possibly do her any harm. Not now, Matt. She's in no fit condition. I think she is. Well, I say she's not. Well, let her decide, all right? Edith? Uh, you say it can't hurt me? Not possibly. Then I'll do it. Feeling all right, Edith? I think so. You ready to go into the dark room? Uh, in a minute. Do you mind? I'm not used to all that sherry. My mind isn't too clear, and my head aches. Take all the time you want. Or you can call the whole thing off. No. No, I don't want to do that. I'll, uh, I'll just walk around the living room, if you don't mind, and get my nerves settled. Whatever you like. Oh... Is that your Zephyrine Drewell rose you were telling me about? Yes, that's one of them. I have two more further back. Lovely. I'll take you outside and show them all to you later, after the experiment. You don't have to go through with the experiment, Edith. But I want to. 
I'm breeding a new rose. You know, Professor, I've been at it for several years now. Oh, that's interesting. The bloom is uh, small and white and very fragrant. You must show it to me sometime. I'd love to. It's quite sweet. I'm about to register it with the American Rose Magazine. When I'm sure it's perfect. Have you given it a name? I thought I'd call it Midlothian. Just because I loved the book so much when I was in school. Midlothian. Oh, that's nice. Well, I'm feeling much better. Good. Good. Feeling well enough for the experiment? I think so. I'll tell you what, Edith. To reassure you completely, I'll take the experiment with you. You and I will hold the strips close to our foreheads, and Paul can hold the stopwatch. How's that? Three seconds to go. Feel all right, Edith? Fine. Two seconds. You all right, Professor? Never better. All right, let's have them. Here's mine. Here's mine. I'm really quite excited. What were you thinking about, Professor? My dog. But you don't have a dog, do you? Not anymore, but I used to. Good old Barney. Always slept at the foot of my bed. What happened to him? He died about five years ago, at the ripe old age of 18. Mm. Good old Barney. Died in his sleep. Your strip is developing nicely, Matt. Want to take a look? Of course I do. Yeah, we all do. Well, what do you know? What? A dog. It really is. It's the image of a dog. Good old Barney. Now, what were you thinking of, Edith? I can't tell you. Well, you have to, or the experiment's no good. Well, I can't. I... I'm not even sure myself what I was thinking of. That's ridiculous. Well, I'm sorry. Look, let's not squabble about it. Let's look at the paper. All right, here, here, here it is. Look. It looks... Looks like flowers. Roses. Of course. You and Matt were talking about roses. You saw my Zephyrine Drua out of the window. So naturally... No. No, wait a minute. This isn't the Zephyrine Drua. Sure it is. The Zephyrine Drua has no thorns. The roses in the photo image have thorns. Let me see. You're right. She's right, Paul. These roses in the photo image are small, and I think they must be white. And they have thorns. These roses are mine, my new breed, my Midlothian. Well, of course. You just told me about them. I've neglected them lately, but they have been on my mind without my even knowing it. I wonder why. I know why. You know why? You know. Our two children, our boys, are buried beneath the Midlothian roses. Right here, this is the spot. They were cremated, Edith. For a long time, I had the urns kept at the crematorium. You know, till I could make up my mind what to do with them. Oh, Paul, you could have talked to me about it. I know, I know. And I guess I should have, but you'd been through so much. 
two babies in two years and never to have seen either of them. There were little silver plates on each of the urns. Both of them just said Baby Morrison and the date. When did you decide to do this? A few months ago. I got to thinking that that they might be lonely. I don't suppose I thought they were lonely. I guess what I really thought is that we were lonely. Anyway, I was. And I wanted them near me. Near us. Oh, Paul. You should have told me. We could have done it together. I thought I ought to do it alone. Because you see, Edith, I, I didn't leave the ashes in the urns. I opened the urns and I scattered the ashes around your rose bushes. Darling, don't cry, please, please, don't cry. I haven't cried since that night, the night I put them here. I never want you to cry like that, Edith. I've cried. Of course you have. Of course you have. Forgive me. But we should have cried together. Not separately. I know. I know now, but then... Darling. I'm... I'm only 35. Don't you think we could... Couldn't we? Of course we could. And we should, and we will. Oh, Paul, you've taken a big load off my heart. Edith? Paul? Oh, it's Matt. I wonder what he wants. It must be important. Paul? Edith? I want to ask you a favor. Anything. Anything at all, Professor. May I stay with you for a day or two? Of course you may. You stay as long as you like. No, just a day or two will be fine. You see, I had a fire in my house. A fire? Yes, in the middle of the night. Not a bad one. I woke up in time to put it out. Well, that was lucky. Yes, wasn't it? Usually, I sleep like a log. But last night, something wakened me in the nick of time. It was the frantic barking of a dog at the foot of my bed. Good old Barney. Perhaps it's a human weakness to want everything explained, to have it made clear, made logical, sensible, to have it brought within our comprehension. Only then, the poor human feels, will he be rid of his heaviest burden his anxiety. This is why the child is forever asking, why, why, why? Even when he is grown, even when he is elderly, even at the point where he is ready to die, probably he will still be asking, why? I'll be back shortly. Many whys are answered. I think very few. Yet, man persists. The answers that he finds turn out to be, at best, only partial and lead only to more questions. Why doesn't he give up and simply take things as they are? I think it is that peculiar beast known as man, and he is afflicted with wonder sickness. Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Terry Keene, and John Beale. 
The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. I want you to open that bureau drawer. The middle one. Why? Just do it. All right. Do it. You'll see a brown sweater on the left-hand side. Yes. Now lift up the sweater and you'll see what's underneath it. It's a revolver. Yes. Hey, Dottie, we won't need this. Yes, we will. But I, I told you, by the time he gets here... We we'll... have to kill him. What are you saying? Know what I'm saying. Don't pretend to be dull or stupid. We have to kill him. Why? You know why. Because he's alive. Dottie! He well... has to be dead. Otherwise, th- th- this whole thing, this entire enterprise we have here just crumbles away. But even if he's alive, he's still a hero. No, no, he's just another brave guy. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.